In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lent is approaching. And each Lent we talk about the preparations for it, the fasting, the ascetical labors, the hard spiritual work. This year I'd like to talk about something different. I'd like to talk about the joy of Lent. You see, Lent this year is a special time because of last year. Because we get to experience all of Lent and Holy Week in its fullness. There's great joy in that. There's great joy in the fact that we can now continue to walk through this journey to our Lord's resurrection. But I also want to talk about joy because today's, <clears throat> today's gospel speaks of joy. Today's gospel, the prodigal son, always comes to us before Lent. It's always that signifying mark. First the publican and the Pharisee, then prodigal son, then Sunday of judgment, and then we're right at the doorstep of Lent. The parable of the prodigal son comes to us at Lent. Why? Now a good and right answer would be it comes to us because it is a story of repentance. It is about our repentance, our turning back towards God. And that's true. And that's right. But repentance is something we should be doing all the time. Not just at Lent. So I suggest to you another reason why we have the parable of the prodigal son right before Lent is to remind us of God's love. The parable is also called within the church the parable of God's love. And in this parable, it's given to us at this time before Lent precisely because we're about to enter into some serious ascetical labors. Make no mistake about it, it's not easy. And so we can fall into this little trap which is, I have to do these things. The church tells me to do these things, I need to do these things, and God wants me to do these things so that he can be pleased with me. This is not God. You see, God already loves us. God already is well pleased with us. So the church is reminding us, as we enter into the ascetical labors of Lent, don't do it to try and earn God's love, because you already have it. This is what the parable today tells us. And this parable is placed here to remind us that we can do nothing to earn God's love. It's a parable of joy. We see the joy of the Father, his eager anticipation, his waiting. We have all experienced that, either ourselves waiting for someone to come. We might remember that as a kid waiting outside for grandma and grandpa to pull up. I live on a cul-de-sac, and sometimes as I'm pulling up, I see one of my boys sitting out on the corner because he knew I was going to come home. So he sat out there on the corner waiting. Or we also might have that experience even with other things, things like packages. Even as adults, we're not supposed to be excited about the mail, but sometimes there's something in the mail we're excited about. So we know that experience of that anticipation, of that waiting, of that eagerness, and we see it in the Father. We see how as soon as he spots his son, he goes running across the field and embraces him. And if you notice closely, the son said his confession two times. Once when he was in the pigsty, 
And he had his whole confession, I'm not worthy to be your son, make me one of your hired servants. And then again in front of his father, but there was a difference. His father cut him off. His father was so excited to have his son back, he wasn't even ready to hear whatever, sort of, let me be a, one of your servants. Nope, his father went and got the robe and the ring and had the fatted calf killed. All of this joy. I read a quote earlier this week from Elder Ephraim of Arizona. It says, even if someone is covered by an abyss of sins, if he repents and does not lose hope, the devil fears him because the paternal heart of the heavenly father yields when his prodigal son says, I have sinned. He runs first, embraces him, kisses him, and kills the fatted calf in celebration, for his son was dead and is alive again. The despair of the sinner is completely unjustified. It is a handful of sand, is a handful of sand ever able to cover the ocean. This is what we must remember when we sin, because sin is grave and serious and deadly, and it can lead us to despair. But we must remember the expansive ocean of God's love. If we don't remember that, then we do despair. And Elder Ephraim was saying things very similar to some of the hymns that we heard this morning during Orthros and last night during Vespers as well. He said the same story. It says, Brethren, let us learn the power of the mystery. When the prodigal son runs back from sin to the warmth of his father's house, the all-loving father goes to meet him and kisses him, and he gives him back again the tokens of his glory, and he sacrifices the fatted calf and thus celebrates the mystical joy with those in heaven. Let us understand this so that we may live lives worthy of the loving father who offered the sacrifice, of the glorious sacrificial victim who is the savior of our souls. Now, Greek is a very useful language. And in this hymn, there are a couple of phrases that we try to translate. One is panagathos. This is, there are many ways in which in the Greek we put together a description of God and make it into a name for him. And so this is translated as all good our all-good father. In English, you wouldn't really say that. Oh, yeah, he's the all-good person. But this is God, panagathos. Everything that is good is God. And again in the hymn, it says philanthropos. We've heard that word before, philanthropos, the one who loves mankind. Kind of a mouthful in English, but in Greek, philanthropos. So many of our prayers first. And so we have all these words in the church that are constantly reminding us of the love of God. Constantly reminding us. Even in the liturgy, it says so many times this same phrase, philanthropos. I'll read to you all the times that we're reminded of God's love just in the liturgy. In the second prayer of the liturgy, it says, For you, O God, are good and love mankind, and to you we offer glory. For the prayer before the gospel, it says, Shine within our hearts, O Master who loves mankind. At the litany we're about to say, it says, For you are a merciful God who loves mankind, and to you we offer glory. Soon after that, in the second prayer of the faithful, it says, Again and countless times we fall down before you, and we implore you, O good one who loves mankind. In the prayer of the cherubic hymn, it says, Yet because of your ineffable and immeasurable love for mankind, 
you impassively and immutably became man. In the Anaphora, when we're preparing the gifts, it says, together with these blessed powers, master who loves mankind, we also exclaim and say, holy are you. You so love the world that you gave your only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. As we prepare to receive communion, we say the communion prayer, Master, who loves mankind, Lord Jesus Christ, my God, let not these holy gifts be to my judgment because I am unworthy. And then when we finish communion, we say a thanksgiving prayer. We give thanks to you, Master, who loves mankind, benefactor of our souls. This is just in the liturgy. How many times are we reminded of God's love? And maybe in the liturgy we just kind of pass over that and don't notice that. So the church has given us this day on which we can have the parable of God's love. There's another Greek word I've mentioned before, amnisikakos. It's a very beautiful word, amnisikakos. Amnisi sounds like amnesia, to forget. Kakos is anything bad. So this is a name of God, the one who forgets bad things, the one who forgets evil. He is the one who is eager to forget our sins, eager to forget them. Each time that you prepare for communion and you say the communion prayers of preparation in the morning, this is within the first prayer. It says, but you, Lord, being long-suffering and of great mercy, do not remember evil and have not given me over to destruction because of my lawlessness, but ever, ever awaited my conversion. You who love all men, said by your prophet, I do not desire the death of a sinner, but that he should turn and live. For master, you do not wish that the work of your hands should perish, nor do you take pleasure in the destruction of human beings, but desire that everyone should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. As a side note, how different is that from a Christianity that is preached out there? He desires the salvation of everyone. He does not desire the destruction of anyone, and he is eager to forget our sins. He's eager to forget our sins. So there's joy. God loves you. God loves us. And we've been given this as a remembrance. Even no matter how much we sin, remember, Sand can't, a handful of sand cannot cover the ocean. We cannot overcome God's love. In addition to our constant remembrance of God's unyielding love in our broad lives, the spiritual lives, we can say even here in St. John specifically, we have the experience of God's love. This past year has been a very difficult year, and yet we've been able to worship together. We have come despite all of our struggles, despite all of our difficulties. We have come to praise God, to worship him in this holy house. And this is a joyful thing, something that we should not take for granted. And I'm sure we don't as we approach Great Lent this year. In the midst of all of these struggles, day after day, week after week, we came together to worship God, to glorify God, and to glorify his saints. And this is exactly what the world needs. The world needs people who are turning to God, uniting themselves to God, because the world needs God, desperately. And it's been a beautiful thing, because even in the middle of this difficult time, there are constantly new people coming to church. I'm sure you've noticed this. 
you've looked around, you might say to yourself, how long has that person been coming? Because I don't know, we all pass each other at different services, different times. But I can tell you as the priest, almost every week, I have a new person calling the church, visiting the church, asking questions about the church. So God is blessing us, and our community specifically. He's blessing us greatly. So many are adrift in the storm of the world that they're looking for the sure harbor, the safe foundation, the ark of salvation, which is the church. And so they're eagerly looking for it all the more. Last week I mentioned the, in the, the announcements about Deacon's tomato plants and how I saw in his house there were little starts, maybe about this tall, in little, tiny little pots. And then they'll be transferred to a larger pot, and then they'll be transferred to a larger pot. And then in springtime, come May or so, we'll put them in the ground. Each of you who get Deacon's tomatoes, you get to put it in the ground and watch it grow. Tomatoes, as you know, for those of you who plant them, Every time you plant them down deeper, it just makes them stronger. So when you plant them, you put down even some of the stems so that more roots can spread out. We're at that juncture here at St. John. We are at the point where our church is finally going to be planted into the ground in its permanent place. We had a very exciting and joyful site committee meeting last week, and we'll have another one this week. I invite all of you to participate in this in the site committee, even if you don't know about real estate and these kind of things, just come. We'll find things for you to do, so don't worry. But all of the parish will be learning about these things. There's a new site that the parish is look, the site committee is looking at. You'll learn about that soon. We may find other sites, and we as a parish will have to decide about this. We'll have to decide where are we going to. But the beautiful thing is that where we go to, we're going to stay. We're going to stay there. For this reason, I brought out the icon of St. John again. This is an icon from my home, and it was given as a gift. The icon is a handwritten, hand-painted icon, and if you haven't come close to the icon, when you do come forward, sense St. John's presence. Sense his presence. Our parish has been blessed somewhat by having icons in the church, all these icons that are around you. But as you may have noticed, they've been here a while, so they're getting faded, the sun is affecting them, they're getting discolored, because they're printed icons. They're not handwritten icons. They're not icons that were meant for eternity. So we have these temporary icons, but this is a signification that we are not there yet. Look at St. John here, and look at St. John there. There's a difference. And by God's grace, we will be having our own parish where we can put handwritten icons everywhere in the church. And they will be there for generations and generations to come. Drawing people, just as in these difficult times right now, when people are drawn into the church, they'll be drawn all the more when they come in and they experience the presence of St. John. Because we're doing this for God's glory and also for our patron saint. He is the one whose name is on our church. He is the one who is our protector. And he is the one who is glorified when we offer to him a beautiful and God-pleasing temple in which we can worship. So his icon will be here for a couple of weeks as we go towards Great Lent to remind us to pray to him, 
If we haven't been, it's time. It's already time. But also to pray for our parish community because big decisions will be coming in the very near future. And these are joyful decisions. Joyful decisions. And that was something else from the site committee is to see our parish is ripe for this now. Maybe it wasn't quite before. And we don't know why in God's timing it wasn't. But it is now. Now is that time. So I ask that you pray to St. John for our parish. And as we go into Great Lent, this is a time of joy. I know that sounds so uh, contrary to what we think of in terms of Lent. So just to reinforce that over the coming weeks, this will be a theme within the homilies of the joy that we have going into Great Lent. And the first marker of that joy is this beautiful parable of God's love. May his love grow in our lives. Amen.